from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler, grab a stool, and come warm yourself by the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Warm yourself by the fire, indeed. Winter is coming, as they say on Game of Thrones. Um, I was just reading about a um, another survivor of the Las Vegas massacre back in October, October the 1st, who has uh, died. Um, he was killed in a hit-and-run back uh, in Nevada. A 52-year-old Roy McClellan died back on November the 17th, although this is just being reported now, while he was walking on the roadway in Pahrumpf, which is about 60 miles west of Las Vegas. He was hit by a Chevrolet Camaro that apparently fled the scene, and this is according to the Nevada Highway Patrol. Uh, Again, McClellan and his wife, they made it out safely when a gunman opened fire at the Route 91 Harvest Music Festival back again on October the 1st, and uh, that killed 80 or 58 people. Uh, now, this is a, sort of a growing list of survivors who have died suddenly. Back in October, another Vegas shooting survivor, Kimberly uh, Scomel. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her last name, but um, Kimberly died suddenly in her sleep, and she was one of a number of survivors, this is where it gets interesting, uh, who maintained that there were multiple shooters on the ground in Las Vegas. And then also in October, another couple who survived the uh, the shooting were killed in a car accident near their home in Riverside County, California. Dennis and Lorraine Carver uh, were trapped inside their cars that slammed into a metal gate and uh, caught on fire. Horrible way to go. Now, again, I know Kimberly was uh, very outspoken about what she witnessed. Uh, she saw multiple shooters. She was reaching out to other survivors on social media. I'm not sure about Roy McClellan and the Carvers, whether uh, I can add those in with Kimberly as having maintained there were multiple shooters. However, four survivors now of the Vegas shooting are now dead. Very odd. Uh, or is it just me? All right. We will uh, discuss that down the road, I'm sure. Billy Carson, the founder of Forbidden Knowledge and the host of Gaia's new original series, Deep Space, is standing by. He joins us for the first hour of tonight's transmission to talk about the U.S. secret space program. Media scientist Nelson Thal will join us in Hour 2. Nelson has analyzed the features of the First Lady of the United States, Melania Trump. I'm sure you heard about this. Another, This was out there crazy on, uh, on social media as well, uh, that uh, she was replaced by a double uh, during certain appearances. And uh, he'll talk about that. He says the uh, the elite are able to use clones and body doubles, 3D holographic projections to stand in for them and read the lines from an Illuminati script, he says. All right, let me introduce the boys in the band on the Flying V, Gibson Guitar, technical producer Ian Robertson, and uh, his young apprentice, Zachary, in there with him. Uh, on the Rickenbacker bass guitar and occasionally the theremin, story producer and the uh, very enigmatic Albert Vinzel, and on the Hammond B3, feature producer and YouTube live stream producer, Ryan White. Welcome, gentlemen, all. You know, I've, I've long suspected that uh, the Gemini, Mercury, Apollo, shuttle space programs were nothing more than window dressing 
uh, created for, for public consumption. But meanwhile, there is this separate, far more technologically advanced secret space program, perhaps decades ahead of uh, the faux space program, if you will. And, uh, well, witness the comments of, of the late Ben Rich, for example, the director of Lockheed Skunk Works. He was uh, known as the director of stealth. And uh, Ben Rich said things like, think Star Wars, Star Trek, we've been there and done that. He also said there are things hidden in hangars out in the desert that are 50 years beyond your wildest imaginations. And perhaps his most enigmatic statement, I believe this one was um, made on his deathbed. He said, we now have the technology to send E.T. home. Uh, Then, of course, there is uh, NASA hacker, uh, British uh, computer whiz Gary McKinnon, who claims to have found evidence of U.S. deep space warships. Here to discuss the secret space program is the founder of Forbidden Knowledge and the host of Gaia TV's new Deep Space series. Billy Carson is also the co-founder of the United Family of Anomaly Hunters and uh, Fort Terra Nova. This is an underground survival shelter system. Fort Terra Nova was featured on on the History Channel. And uh, Billy Carson, we should also point out, will be the keynote speaker at February 2018 Conscious Life Expo. That's February 9th to the 12th at the LAX Hilton. Billy Carson, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Thank you, sir. That was a fantastic entrance. I appreciate that. My pleasure. I can't believe we've never talked before. That's my I fault. I know. It is the first time for everything. That's, that's okay. <laughs> that's my fault entirely, Billy. It's great to have you here. Um, yeah, definitely. The, let me uh, let me begin with uh, the, those Ben Rich statements, and many people are, are, have heard those. Uh, the one that, that I find most enig- enigmatic is that we we now have the technology to send ET home. Am I correct? Did yeah. he make was that on his deathbed? He made that. Yes, he made that just before he died. That's a correct statement. He did make that exact statement, and he was dead serious. Um, it, the the technology used to be 44 to 50 years ahead of the civilization. You know, the military-industrial complex would be that, that far ahead per year. But now it's really about 300 years ahead. Wow, um, 300 and, years. And how I know this is because I'm actually the CEO of First Class Space Agency, and we're a real space agency I'm based in Florida, not with launch capability but with research and development. And we are registered with NASA, SAMS, as well as the European Space Agency. You can pull us up right on the ESA website, the NASA.gov website. Um, and so with that, we get private access or top secret for access for private space, the space symposium every year in April uh, in Colorado. Uh, and that's where you begin to find out some very interesting things in terms of the level of uh, technology that is available really to the world, but is being kept suppressed and under tight lock and key right now. Now, um I'm guessing you can't obviously go into to, to details, but wouldn't you have to sign a non-disclosure agreement working yes, for some absolutely. someplace like that? All right, and they wouldn't get upset. Yes. They wouldn't get upset by you merely mentioning that we are 300 years, or R and D is 300 years ahead of what the public is aware of. That I can mention because others have already mentioned it, and it's not anything that's really that secret. That part of it's actually kind of hidden in plain sight. That's a, you know, it's been mentioned even on, on the various science shows as well. So that part can be can be easily revealed. But I, that's just a fact. That that is absolutely. I mean, I'm gobsmacked hearing that. Three hundred <laughs> years, three hundred yeah. years ahead. But how? Whatever, whatever you can imagine, they've already done. Right. 
and the the um, the assertions of, of Gary McKinnon uh, that he had found um, deep space warships while he was poking around uh, in the Pentagon and NASA uh, um, computer servers. Do you yeah. believe he discovered the evidence of solar warden, which which we know for a fact definitely you know it exists. Uh, this was back in, um, I think it was 1997. He yeah. hacked into the NASA computers, and um, he found evidence of, you know, not only the UFOs, but also suppression of free energy. Uh, and in a, in a very rare interview done by John Ronson, who who actually was the, I believe, the writer or director for Men Who Stare at Goats, which interestingly is a movie That's right. that talks, it's about Ingo Spahn and, and, and Major Ed Danger, about remote viewing, Yes, uh, which is out there too as well, but... But uh, he interviewed him, and uh, he asked him about the spaceships, and he says, um, you know, that these spaceships were real. Uh, and uh, he said that there were, you know, terrestrial and non-terrestrial officers, which he also meant that in another public statement as well. But it was a very rare interview that he got with John Ronson, and John Ronson was very convinced that, um, that he was telling the truth. What is the status of Gary McKinnon? They were t- the U.S. was trying to extradi- extradite him from Britain. What happened to Gary McKinnon? What is his status? Is he under house arrest in Britain? Uh, no, he's, uh, he's free. The, the Queen uh, withheld the extradition. Uh, the, the, you know, they, they said, wait a minute. If we, it was a really a collaborative agreement because they finally realized that if they do extradite him, bring him here, it's going to be one of the most publicized uh, court cases in the history of the world in modern times. And a lot of information is going to be get is going to come out, and a lot of question marks are going to come up, and people are going to want answers to those questions. So they decided, I think, collectively, that to make this thing just disappear, let it fade away, because the, the people of the world, the citizens of the world, have a very short memory, and as you can see, the most most of the people have already forgotten about Gary McKinnon's incident and situation. So you're right. You're absolutely right. Gone and back of the brain is already disappearing. Uh, but they they let it die because they realized it was going to raise too many questions. Has McKinnon spoken out since? I mean, I can't believe it's been no. 20 years. Yes, I know it's been that long. He's actually follows me on, uh, he's in a couple of my uh, Mars and Omni's groups on Facebook, and he follows my YouTube account and occasionally comments here and there. And uh, he put some interesting posts up with, the, with regards to anomalies, uh, for, you know, found from NASA.gov and the European Space Agency, and I occasionally, uh, you know, uh, comment on his as well. That's the extent of our, you know, communication. It's not like we're best buddies or anything. But, no, uh, just just through cyberspace. Do you think? Do you get the sense that he might be fearful of his of his life, or for his life rather? Um, I don't get the sense that he's fearful. I get the sense that he he really wants to, you know, get the information out there and let or let people know by making making some of these posts and, and stuff that um, this stuff is real. Like there's really a secret space program. There's really potentially non-humanoid people in charge or at least collaborating with the United States military or the, or the military-industrial complex. Um, and there are really anomalies on other moons and planets inside of our solar system we undoubtedly have discovered through over the 1 million NASA images that we've gone through, uh, my group, the United Family of Anomaly Hunters, and, and we've cataloged a little, a little over 50,000 of those anomalies that were in that 1 million, you know, over, just over 1 million images. And I'm, things that are out of place, hope parts, you know. Right, and we'll, along there. we'll talk about uh, some of those uh, as mm-hmm. the hour progresses. Billy Carson is with us, the founder of Forbidden Knowledge, host of Gaia's new original series, Deep Space. And again, he will be appearing 
Uh, he is the keynote speaker, in fact, at the February 2018 Conscious Life Expo, and that's at the LAX Hilton, Feb 9 to the 12th. Back with more of my conversation with Billy when the Conspiracy Show returns. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Billy Carson is with us. Keynote speaker at the um, 2018 Conscious Life Expo, also the uh, founder of Forbidden Knowledge and the host of Gaia TV's new Deep Space series. Uh, Deep Space series. Billy, tell us a little bit about the uh, the new show on Gaia. Oh, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, Deep Space uh, is now in season number two. Season number one uh, was just uh, last year. Uh, it got off to a phenomenal start going into the ancient space program. So we started off going from the ancient times dealing with the Anunnaki and then bringing it forward into the Nazis and Project Paperclip and some of the technology that they were experimenting with, uh, and then moving forward into some of the darker aspects of the, uh, the, the secret space program. And now in season two, we're kind of took going where we left off, but now I'm going to be going into a little bit more of how some of the technology works and what's being suppressed um, and, um, you know, really where we're going or where the, where the secret space program may, may be going based off of um, insider uh, whistleblowers. I've uh, I've talked to Paula Harris uh, a number of times. I think she's going to be at the Conscious Expo as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Paula talked to me about speaking with highly placed uh, Pentagon officials who talked about deep space platforms. What can you tell us about deep space platforms? Well, there's there's so many levels to to the secret space program. It's not just one level. Uh, and in the deep space platforms, uh, if she's, if she's referring to the same thing I'm talking about, uh, would have to do with various black ops and military secret space programs that are not only, um, in our solar system, but outside, just outside of our solar system, just outside of the Oort cloud. Uh, and there's also a dark fleet as well that operates and navigates in between those two, uh, sectors, the inner sector and the outer sector. Um, and, this is part of a patrol that goes on, as well as uh, a, a, a mission for really science, you know, just expanding the science and knowledge of, of what's going on out there, as well as a very limited access to uh, the, there really is a, a global, I guess you want to call it a, um, a galactic federation of sorts that's really out there as well that, that we may be in communication with. And we're on a very slow process, we meaning the very high elites and the dark programs, of gaining access to expanding deeper and deeper into space. When will that trickle back down to um, to us here, you know, the average civilian? I'm not sure, but it could be a very, very long time from now. And where, where is their, their, their base of operation on Earth? Where do they launch from, if I can even use that word launch? Maybe that's not even in the appropriate term. <laughs> Well, yeah, we're launching all the time. I mean, right now we just had a an X-37B military top-secret mission return two months ago to Earth. It launched out of Florida, and it returned back to Florida, and it uh, was gone for 720 days, I believe, which is just over two years. Um, now, top-secret mission, they don't tell us. They let us know that it lifted off and it left from Earth, uh, one of the most advanced shuttles we've ever had. 
and it's been gone for two and a half, you know, just just under two and a half years. And another one went up for just over a year and came back just at the end of last year. So they're sending these up all the time, <laughs> but they're not telling us where they're going and what they're doing when they go away for a year or so. They're going deep out there. They're going out to these platforms. They're going out to drop off supplies, I personally feel, to an established Mars colony and maybe even colonies on other moons within our solar system. If they're launching from uh, from Florida uh, in 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 public view, are they still yeah. using rocket fuel? I mean, surely we're we're in a deep space program would be eons past rocket fuel. Right. Well, now you got to understand the the ones that, the secret space program, the ones that are already up there, they don't need to come back into the atmosphere. Um, they just stay out in space. Uh, now, when they do, if they do need to re-enter, they're able to go into the multi-spectrum mode which basically is almost like a cloaking device. Um, they can even uh, they even have metamaterials that allow light to bend around the actual physical structure of the object. So when you're looking up, you kind of get a hint that there may be something if you really look in the right area, but you will not be able to tell that there's a ship there. Uh, and then they will disappear into uh, underwater uh, bases that literally, you know, open up right in the middle of what, look, what could look like a gigantic lake or going to the sides of mountains, and as well as uh, there are some bases in Antarctica as well. So, But the ones that are launching now, just in plain sight, they are they look like they're launching with standard rocket fuel, and they're taking off in their uh, single-stage launches, actually, with, with the X-37B. But when they get out there, according to NASA and the technology that they have, it's the most advanced navigation system that they've ever built. So I think that that's um, some type of a supply ship or cargo ship is what they are, in my personal opinion to aid and maybe take supplies to some of the solar warden craft and some of the other craft that may be already up there uh, that don't return as often. Is the rocket fuel liftoff just for public consumption? I mean, do they not have anti-gravitics? Anti-gravitics exist. They even have an EM drive, but I believe it's just part of the show. It's all a front. You know, it's all a front to keep us believing that, you know, we as citizens need to keep driving combustion engines and, and you know, using oil and, and using propellant for fuel and so forth, that's just really a show. They they have been able to launch without, um, you know, we're talking back since the 1950s, they right. launched without using rocket fuel. Yes, it was in the 1950s, Boeing uh, was, uh, you know, they went public and said, we are on the cusp. This is yeah. 60 years ago. We are on the cusp of achieving mm-hmm. anti-gravitics, and then all of a sudden, uh, like a black curtain descended, uh, mm-hmm. a complete media uh, blackout. So right, what has exactly. happened in those ensuing 60 years? Well, it's all about suppression, and it's all about control of the information and control of the technology. Um, and the, the biggest problem, the, the biggest reason why they want to suppress this information is because knowledge is power, and he who controls space controls this, this sector of the galaxy, potentially, and maybe even this entire solar system. Uh, the entire war, for example, again, in Iraq, the whole Gulf War was fought from space, meaning not that we use spaceships, but we use satellites, we use drones that were controlled by satellites. Everything was based off of space technology, GPS systems and so forth. Without any of that technology, we wouldn't have been, wouldn't have not, would not have been able to be that effective. So you can see that the United States or the military industrial complex has complete control over all the nations on this planet just because it has the most control over space right now and technology for space. So this is why they want to keep this information suppressed because 
it gives them a lot of power. I mean, they literally control this region, uh, you know, based off of what we allow them to do. Uh, and if we were to start, if they were to start leaking that information to us or giving, giving us access to that information, it would be very possible for people even sitting at home, a high school kid could even start developing some of his own technology that can maybe even interfere with what, you know, some of their control, stru- control structures that they already have in place. Uh, you know, I mean, it wouldn't be anything for me to create a generator that I can just connect to my, my house, and I don't even need to plug into my a local electric company anymore. Then what happens when tens of thousands of people start doing that, you know? So it just becomes a big issue uh, for the controlling powers and the system that they want to keep in place. Uh, precisely. You know, I... Um I was thinking in in light of this information, you know, people have been talking about the the lunar landing hoax for a long time, and I've talked about it on this show. I've always believed that we went to the moon in 69. To me, the hoax is that that was the first time we landed on the moon in 69. I mean, again, I I subscribe to this idea of a secret space program. When do you think we first landed on the moon? Was it indeed 69, or was it much, much earlier, as I contend? It definitely was 1969 for Apollo 11. Uh, now, we may have, we meaning humans, uh, uh, in modern times, the Nazis, are rumored to have gone to the moon in one of the Hanabu, I think it was the Hanabu 3 craft, and even onto Mars in a Hanabu 4. But if you want to stick by what we know for facts, we can go by Apollo 11. We did land on the moon. The moon is a very interesting thing because some people have gone so left with it because of the Hollywood production and some of the fake images that have come back and fake video uh, that are clearly fake. They've gone so far left to say that, oh, the whole thing is a hoax, there's no atmosphere, we can't go into space, and all this other. but they're wrong. What they don't realize is, yes, we went to the moon, and yes, we lied about it. And the reason why we lied about it is because after sending the Clementine mission, after sending some of the other Mercury missions and some of the other satellites up there, uh, we discovered that there were uh, structures on the moon and remnants of an ancient civilization or maybe even a current civilization. And so the whole mission was really a recognizance mission to go and gather data, information, video, footage, and so forth. And they knew that basically they would have to fill in the blanks uh, for the general population here on Earth because they couldn't show them or they did not want to show them what was really up there until they themselves can either figure out exactly what it was. Um, so it was, that was really what it was all about. And there's, thanks to the Freedom of Information Act, you know, um, there's the black box tapes from Apollo 11, which anybody can get access to as public record. Uh, you can download them. I have a copy of the entire black box tape from Apollo 11, and some of it's been redacted, but some of it was left open, believe it or not. And you can see where the astronauts, as they're going over some of the craters, they're calling them conical craters or domes, and they're actually saying in the black box, look at the people down there. I bet they never get out. And that's not only on the redacted uh, print document, but it's also on the, the voice file that was left unredacted that's available for download to the general population. So why on, links to you. why on earth, Billy, would they would NASA leave that part unredacted? Uh, is it was it purposeful? Did they are they trying to do a controlled yeah. leak to to acclimatize us to this situation? They really appear to be doing a very controlled, very slow disclosure to the general population. I mean, when I say it's very slow, but they always leave little breadcrumbs over many many years. Um, you know, there's, there's a famous video of the limb, uh, of the, uh, of the limb returning back to the uh, command module up from the surface of the moon. And as it's taking, as the video is being shot, you can see a dome on the moon surface in the background. Now they knew that was there. I mean, <laughs> nobody really paid attention 
to it until I saw the video a few years ago, and I said, wow, this is pre-Photoshop, pre-everything. Here's a dome right here. I took it. I, I edited it right out of the – cut it right out of the video and just turned the contrast down. A, a huge dome structure with buildings inside popped up. It's one of the, big, the best finds I ever had. So that's another crumb that they've left behind, and they keep leaving these crumbs, even with the, with the uh, Mars rover missions. They keep leaving these little crumbs of anomalies that they cover some up, but they always leave a few here and there that people like myself and others can find. And it's almost like a like a type of slow disclosure. And, and I, I take it as to like on Earth, it's almost like the humans are the prisoners and the prison guards. So they're allowing some of us to. Uh, you know, some of the prison guards are, you know, to, to, to wake up a little bit, grab some of the, you know, of information and bring it back to the herd, so to speak, and let them take a look at it. A lot of people will still, you know, completely scoff and discard it. But slowly, a lot of people will begin to analyze and check it out, maybe even research it for themselves. And over a very long period of time, people become like, you know, used to the information and, and uh, adjusted to the potential that it could be real. Uh, Billy Carson is with us, a founder of Forbidden Knowledge, the host of Gaia TV's new Deep Space series, now in season two. How do people uh, uh, watch Deep Space on Gaia? Well, you can just go to Gaia.com slash Forbidden with the number four, or B-I-D-D-E-N. The reason why I recommend Gaia.com slash Forbidden is because there's a few free episodes on there that you can watch without having to sign up. It's like a conscious Netflix where there's over 7,000 incredible shows on Gaia TV and um, you know I'm in I'm in about four or five of those different shows ancient civilization sea to space uh, beyond belief and uh, buzzsaw but you can sign up there and uh, you can watch some free episodes on my channel you can go to forbiddenknowledge.com as well with the number four and you can link there and you can watch uh, some free shows and decide something you'd like it's only 30 cents a day to get access to some of the most incredible conscious information in the world. And, uh, again, you're going to be the keynote speaker at uh, 2018 Conscious Life Expo. What's, what are you going to talk about? Can you give us a tease? Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's going to be great, man. I'm going to be speaking on um, February the 10th at 1030 a.m. in the LAX Hilton, and I'm going to be talking about the Enuma Elish and the Seven Tablets of Creation, uh, which basically describe how our entire solar system was formed, how we got our asteroid belt, how we got our Oort cloud, how our planets came into the current positions that they're in, as well as some of our moons, including our moon. And then it's going to, I'm going to move forward in time into uh, a captured, you know, a captured planet and a, a, a captured mini solar system actually into our solar system. And then I'm going to talk about the Anunnaki and uh, the ancient space program and move forward into some of the anomalies that prove their existence. What percentage, I don't know if you, you, you can affix a number to this, but what percentage do you think of UFOs are extraterrestrial or interdimensional versus uh, a part of this deep space program or a secret At space this program? Point, it's very small, yeah. I, I, the UFOs are real. I want people to know that there are real visitors coming back and forth from this, uh, from this planet but only the ones that have been allowed, because we have a very secure system out there. That solar warden is really designed to protect us from invaders that have, you know, malice on their mind. And I think that we've already communicated with a certain few that we've either bargained with or, or had a, some type of a treason with or whatever to allow them to come back and forth. But I think it's only maybe uh, anywhere between 10 to 15 percent are actual, you know, non-human UFOs, and I think the rest of them are all all human. Interesting. And 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 at what point? Um, I mean, can we affix a date to it? 
that, uh, you know, prior to a certain date, demarcation line, uh, many of the UFOs were, or most of the UFOs were ET related, and then all of a sudden it sort of switched over. Listen, we'll, um, we'll just leave that question hanging. You can think about it. We'll, uh, come back and continue our conversation with Billy Carson, keynote speaker, 2018 Conscious Life Expo, and of course, his uh, new program, Season 2, Deep Space, on Gaia TV. Forbidden Knowledge with the numeral 4. Forbidden Knowledge is the website, ForbiddenKnowledge.com. Back with more. Stay with us. Keeping an eye on the new world order. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sutt. Welcome back. Nelson Thal will join us at the uh, just after the top of the hour. And, uh, wow, he's uh, he's coming loaded for bear, we're going to talk about clones, holograms, uh, organic robotoids, uh, doppelgangers, and um, more. Right now, we uh, continue to uh, speak with Billy Carson from ForbiddenKnowledge.com and, uh, again, keynote speaker at the 2018 Conscious Life Expo. That's coming up quickly, February 12th to the, uh, I'm sorry, 9th to the 12th at the LAX Hilton. And uh, we're talking about the secret space program. Well, is there a year that we can say, Billy, that everything changed, and that uh, when you know when we look up into the sky, a lot of those craft were being uh, flown by U.S. space pilots? Yes. Well, if you look back, you can, it'll go back before U.S. space pilots. It'll go back to German mm-hmm. uh, pilots during the uh, uh, Operation High Jump. When uh, Admiral Byrd was sent down to Antarctica to find out what in the world the, the Nazis were doing down there, they had a subterranean base. And uh, when they got down there with their ships, uh, we, they were literally attacked by these UFOs. Uh, and there were actually a lot of deaths, a lot of you know casualties. And they sent uh, Admiral Byrd and his whole Navy fleet packing and racing back home with their you know tail tucks. And he even made a public statement that we're facing a new threat uh, of a, a threat that can fly from pole to pole at extremely high speeds. Uh, and even when we went into the, you know, in World War II, they had the Foo Fighters. These, again, I believe, were controlled by the Nazis. Uh, so, the, the, you know, if you go back even before the United States, uh, we had, there were human-piloted or human-controlled UFOs. And then moving a little bit further into the future when we won the war, because Hitler was so focused on this technology and not really worrying about his strategy for fighting the, these wars. He automatically assumed his victory and put all his focus and energy into the technology. And that kind of really caught him slipping. And we, you know, we were able to, to beat him and defeat him. And the reason why the United States wanted to, de- wanted to defeat him was so that they could, they could take all 100 plus scientists that he had working on these dark projects, which we did. We took him in Operation Paperclip, brought him here. Along with another 300 or so, uh, you know, high-level uh, German officials that we actually put in positions of key power, which I still can't figure out why to this day. But in terms of the scientists, we were able to get them into the secret space program over here in the United States almost immediately uh, once they came over. Set up NASA as the front for the front space program. Werner von Braun developing the process and so forth. But on the backside, a lot of the Hanabu's craft technologies. That stuff didn't get thrown out. They were really building and developing those from back then. So the 1940s into the 1950s, uh, you know, it just was an amazing time for development and growth in terms of technology within the secret space program. Was uh, was the 
UFO crash at Roswell, was that German? No, I believe that that definitely was a, uh, a UFO from outer space or either inner space. Um, uh, definitely a craft where, um, are you still there? Yes. Can you hear me? I like just from the phone. Yes, I can hear you. Yeah. Uh, definitely a craft that came from other way. I think that, um, according to my research, what appears to have happened was these craft were visiting and the military discovered that their radar systems were able to disrupt the flight patterns of these craft and they were bringing them down. They actually brought down more than one. And so the 1947 crash, uh, which was actually multiple crash, uh, in two different areas were most likely, uh, you know, alien in my opinion. Um, you mentioned that we are we ha- we now have the technology to sort of prevent incursions from hostile ETs. I have to think that some of these uh, civilizations out there, uh, you know, would have would be um, what do they call them? Level. Michi- I'm yeah. trying to remember Michio Kaku's uh, term, like, like a level, level two, one, a level, three. level, level two or level three civilization. And what are we at? Right. Even with our advanced, or the secret space program, are we at a level one even? Well, no. No, we're just under zero. Okay. <laughs> Believe it or not. Yeah. So yeah, how there could... Are, there, are, there are civilizations out there that can literally just wipe our planet off the map. But there's rules out there in space. There's a lot of strict rules and there's people that have more power than them that control there's a federation that really controls all of this activity and and uh, keeps it, you know, to a certain level. We're, we're coming up on another break, Billy. When we come back, um, I want to talk to you about um, uh, Ken, Dr. Ken Johnson, Sr., uh, who has? Uh, I'm sh- I don't know if you've uh, you've talked to uh, Dr. Johnson. I'm I've sure you have. I've met him many times. I'm sure I've you have. Conference with him at uh, Alabama. Uh, yes, he has some very interesting uh, things to say about what he witnessed at NASA, and uh, he was, I guess, um, responsible for sort of catalog- cataloging uh, a lot of the moon rocks and a lot of the artifacts and so forth that were brought back. And uh, uh, we'll get to that conversation about uh, Dr. Ken Johnson at NASA, what he saw, which is quite remarkable, quite startling, and what he told you. Billy Carson stays with Great. us right here on The Conspiracy Show. Exploring theories, uncovering facts, and offering a different view of the universe. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Billy Carson is uh, with us. We're talking the secret space program. You can check out his program uh, called Deep Space on Gaia TV and uh, his website ForbiddenKnowledge.com, the numeral four, as in Forbidden Knowledge. Uh, I wanted to ask you about Dr. Ken Johnson. Now, he was um, a consultant uh, employed by Brown and Root, I think, and they were involved in the Lunar Receiving Laboratory um, back at the Johnson Center in the early 70s. And one of his jobs was to to, um, curate and catalog the Apollo images and the moon rocks. And what did he tell you about what he witnessed going on with those photos at NASA? Yes, uh, man, I tell you, it was, an, it was an amazing thing just to meet this guy in person because uh, it really added to his authenticity. Um, he, not only did he work there for 23 years uh, and on many different uh, uh, projects, Mercury and Apollo, but also, like you said, handled a lot of the imagery uh, and was very close with the woman who was in charge of covering up or, you know, puffing out some of the anomalies that were there so that the general public couldn't get them. 
before they were gone out to be published for sale. Uh, he was bold enough uh, to actually take them. He was told to throw them in the garbage, a, a huge stack of these images, which I've seen and actually have a, a few of them myself, so I'm very, I'm very excited about them. Uh, this is pre-Photoshop, pre-everything, you know, uh, and he actually took them and he kept a copy of them. And, man, thankfully he did that because because of him, we actually, we meaning our, us anomaly hunters out here, uh, have a lot of phenomenal data that nobody can challenge and say, oh, it's been this, it's been that, it's been fake. This, these are real images taken with real cameras from a real NASA that have not been edited in any way, shape, or form, that have real anomalies that are plain as day. Um, and my, my team with the United Family of Anomaly Hunters has really gone through, I think, and done a phenomenal job in, uh, you know, extracting some of those anomalies and, and showcasing them within our network and our groups. Some of those were donated to the Roswell Museum, were they not? Absolutely, they sure were. So people yeah. can go and see those for themselves at the Roswell, uh, that's the International UFO Museum and Research Center. Correct. Describe some of the more uh, outstanding photographs that you have in your possession that, that uh, are unairbrushed, undoctored. Yes. Um, well, there's a lot of domes. A lot of those craters that you see on the moon are not really craters. That's the thing that's the most amazing you know, discovery. There's no ejecta. And when you, so when you have an impact, first of all, all the impacts would not be straight down facing to where each crater doesn't have a, a trail leading up to it. They just look like they just open up on the moon. So you have thousands of those. Now, these craters, when you take a really good look at them, they're all the same depth almost. And they all have uh, a geometric shape in the middle, or most of them have geometric shapes in the middle with no ejecta. Where did all the ejecta go from the impact? It doesn't go to the rims, not on the rims. When you look at a real, take a real close look at the rims, you start to see that some of these, um, these craters are more like uh, octagons and hexagons. So you start to realize that they have geometry to them, and then when you, um, you know, start going in and changing the contrast just a little bit so that you can take away a little bit some of the fuzziness, you can see that there's geometric shapes there. And some of these structures could be potentially one or two miles tall within these um, artificial craters. Uh, and interestingly, what we did was we targeted uh, those, those areas from some of the Ken Johnson images with some modern technology uh, by using the Arecibo system and radar detection system that NASA has available that they've already scanned. We went and got those images and signed from those same areas and discovered that they penetrated the earth or the, I'm sorry, they penetrated the ground level of the moon about uh, 20 or 30 meters. And we were able to see geometric shapes underneath the domes with the radar images that came back from Arecibo out of Puerto Rico. So this is a, this is like an amazing thing. So not only do we have the, the old images that he had that shows these structures are there, then we have the modern images that come from NASA with radar that show that there's not only those structures, but even beneath them, there's more structures beneath the ground. So uh, the moon may definitely be a honeycombed or, or hollow, as everybody has been saying. Uh, and, and what about images from Mars? Um, any evidence that those two are being doctored? Yeah. Uh, they are doctoring some of those images. What they're doing is they're covering up anomalies. They have a software program, a sophisticated software program, that tries to mimic rocks or turn things that might be anomalies into rocks because they're sending back so much data and they, even though they have a couple hundred people working there trying to, you know, work on this cover-up project, it still is a lot of work. So they have a, a program written that actually kind of goes through and 
and, and kind of it thinks, oh, this looks like it could be a geometric shape. Let's turn it into a rock, you know. But like I said before, there's a lot of uh, breadcrumbs out there where there's so many anomalies that have been left untouched. Uh, I mean, plain as day, where you don't have to do any editing. You don't have to go into Photoshop. You can just go to the GigaPan or you can go to the uh, download the raw file directly from NASA.gov, and you can literally just zoom in and see some of these anomalies. So they've left some there for whatever reason. Maybe it's like I said before, the, the slow disclosure that they're allowing us to, to put forth, us being, you know, anomaly hunters. Uh, but there's so many uh, destructive uh, buildings, torn down buildings, structures that look like they were flooded, um, rooftops missing, um, you know, what you would see maybe if you look down from a satellite in in uh, Egypt or in, this, in the desert area where you can see that there were potentially uh, many cities out there in the middle of the desert kind of now buried in sand. You can see all of these things on the, uh, on the Mars images, um, and there's literally thousands upon thousands of, of anomalies there that are, have been made available to us, to the general public, but nobody really has taken a lot of time to look, just a very small few of us. The um, the other one of the claims also I believe by Dr. Ken Johnson was that he belonged that he he belonged to and then was subsequently dropped from because of his disclosures he was dropped from something called the Solar System Ambassadors Program. What can you tell me about uh, I'm that? Not familiar. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that program. I know that he was involved in a couple of programs, but when he started talking, all of a sudden he was getting severely attacked. Uh, he was getting attacked by uh, people that even worked closely with him at the time. Uh, and they were saying that, oh, he's not an astronaut, he wasn't this, he wasn't that, but, you know, he had enough documents to back up what he was saying. But people were making fake blogs and putting out fake information about him, and um, it was becoming uh, kind of like a, an attack on, his, you know, on him. And um, he was proud from quite a few things because people, unfortunately, don't like to go back and do a little bit more research to dig deep to see that it was propaganda, uh, which now that all has come forward that it was propaganda because he made a video, you know, we mean some of the people on our team have made several videos and interviews with him and having put forth his documentation proving that he is who he says he is. And, of course, the companies and everything else he worked with are real. So, uh, yeah, when he came forward with a lot of with a lot of this information, he, he began to get attacked and was dropped from a lot of different programs. So I'm not specifically sure about the exact program you mentioned, but I do know that he was attacked and he even was kicked out of India recently because of, these attacks. So it was a weird situation. Interesting. Another whistleblower, I believe, um, I believe she worked with Philco Ford, and they handled uh, NASA's photo labs, or they worked in photos. They were computer engineering contractors for NASA anyway. Donna Hare. Um, are you familiar with Donna? Have you, have you talked to her? Because I think she was sort of involved firsthand in this airbrushing, from what I understand. Yeah, she was the one that was involved in, in the airbrushing firsthand, uh, you know, kind of puffering out these um, these anomalies. She was that was her job. Her job was to overlay this kind of sheath over and make them then make another photocopy because back then there was no software to do it. So you had to literally overlay them with these different materials and then make a photocopy. And that way, the anomaly would kind of disappear or be blocked out or or redacted. Um, you know, so I I was on a, a couple of calls with her and, and a couple of groups with her as well on Facebook. Uh, you know, anomaly groups. Um, and, um, you know, she was definitely there. She's real. She's a real, a real witness, a real whistleblower that, that was really involved in the cover up, you know, you know, of, of these anomalies. And it's, uh, it's all coming out. In dribs and drabs, but I mean, how are they, how are they keeping the rest of their employees 
how are they gagging them? Are they are they threatening them with their pensions? How are they doing it? Do you think, Billy? Um, I did a, a report a few years back. I wish I could find it right this second on the exact number, but there's been dozens of NASA employees that uh, end up dead. Um, and I mean, in the weirdest ways. I'm talking about ski lift accidents, cars falling off the side of mountains, houses catching on fire, uh, heart attacks, dying in the sleep, uh, just these random crazy events. But why would so many NASA employees? Um, and I really feel that, um, you know, it's, uh, it's part of a threat that they know that's there. And when people maybe, you know, know a little bit too much, I hate to say it, but it's potentially possible that they take them out. I mean, one, you know, one group that was working on, I think, was Spirit Rover, the whole group died in a, in a, um, a, a ski lift accident. I mean, just, I mean, what are the odds of this stuff happening? Right, right. You know? Like the microbiologists and the bankers a few years ago. Right, exactly, exactly, yeah. You know, uh, so, uh, it's crazy. We were talking earlier about Dr. Ken Johnson, and he worked with Root and Brown. Um, maybe I'm misremembering, but wasn't Edward Snowden also an employee with uh, Root and Brown? I'm not sure about that. I don't know if uh, Edward Snowden was an employee there. I know he was a private consultant, but right. uh, I don't know exactly which firm he was with. For some reason, Root and Brown is sticking in my mind, but I, I could be wrong about Snowden. But nevertheless, wh why didn't we hear... Um, or, or why haven't we heard about these sorts of things from, let's say, uh, Snowden or even Assange at WikiLeaks? Why do you think? Um, you know, that's a good question. It seems like they really each had their own uh, targeted agenda, maybe because they had the most information on those particular items. Or, you know, for example, when I post on Forbidden Knowledge, there's a lot of things that go on that I don't post about just because I don't have the inside scoop or direct knowledge or a good research research source to to make sure that I'm saying something that's valid. Right. So I kind of kind of fade away from those particular topics and get into things that I know I really have control over that I really understand and know and have uh, connections with, you know, and good research material for. So that could it could be why they haven't really mentioned it that much. It, it could be just because they know more information about what they've really been focused on are you at all hopeful or are you very uh, sort of grim about the prospect of let's say for example the suppression of free energy which is part of this you know in the in the in the clutches of this breakaway civilization do you see any prospect of that uh, breaking through to you know the, the general population in the next 20 30 40 years I really do believe it will one of the projects that I work on for research and development is our free energy devices and alternative propulsion systems. And we're making a little bit of headway right now uh, using uh, magnetics, so electromagnetism. And I believe that it's not only myself and these small groups, but there's, there's dozens of small groups popping up now. And with the awakening that's happening on this planet in terms of people waking up to the realization that we're living in a matrix and uh, we have a very small group of men controlling everything we say, do, hear, touch, feel, and know. And I believe that over you know, the next couple of decades, enough there'll be enough people awaken to the point where they say enough is enough uh, and just start demanding things by taking their own action. In other words, 
Uh, people start building these devices and leaking the information out to the world. And I, I, I think you're right. I, I, I believe you're right. Billy Carson, I'm sorry we left it so long. Uh, we'll have you on again soon. Thank you so much for this. Thank you. Billy Carson, ForbiddenKnowledge.com. Nelson Thal is next. We'll talk clones, doppelgangers, organic robotoids when The Conspiracy Show continues.